Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And hello, it's Ayers on the Road again. Richard and Linda here in Hawaii still. Poor dears. <laughs> we're, we're enjoying broadcasting or narrow casting or whatever it is from these beautiful islands. There's a lot of weather here today. It's rainy and sunny. And when that happens together, what do you get? Rainbows. The rainbows. We <laughs> oh, saw yeah. some amazing Gorgeous rainbows yesterday. yesterday. And we went on a walk the other day and it, it caused us to think of something we wanted to talk about today on the show. Um, as you all know, we've been telling stories for the last 10 or 12, more than that, probably 18 weeks, different stories, always trying to link them to the power of families, the power of relationships, the importance of parenting and marriage and so on. But something about stories, especially when they're personal stories, really helps get those points across. And we were walking here on Maui the other day on a beautiful road on the other side of the island called Thompson Road. And it happens to be uh, where Oprah has her house, a beautiful house. I don't know how much time she actually spends here, but I'm sure she spends as much as she can because it really is beautiful. And uh, it occurred to us that we have just a couple or a couple or three celebrity stories that we ought to tell on Ayers on the Road because they do illustrate family values and some of the things we like to focus on on Ayers on the Road. So we're going to tell you a little story about Oprah today and a wonderful experience we had with her and a little story about Kathy Lee Gifford. Some of you will remember just recently uh, stepped down and retired on the Today Show. And we're also going to tell you a little White House story, a funny story that we had in, in the White House. And um, so let's tell stories, Linda. Okay. Um, I first of all have to say that uh, this road in Hawaii is, um, you know why Oprah chose this, it's the most gorgeous place that you can imagine. It really was incredible. Um, it's big white house up on a hill with a veranda and there's a guest house next to it. But the, the magnificence of it is the setting. It is so beautiful. Um, the, it was a really rainy, misty morning and there were angel slides, I call them angel slides, coming down through the clouds, um, everywhere. It was so gorgeous and beautiful greenery and an old, uh, rock wall that goes on and on. There's lots of people walking up and down there all the time. But it did remind us of how much fun we had with her. Um, a few years oh, ago. A few years ago, yeah. <laughs> here's, Quite a while ago. Here's a story. Let's launch into it. Because there are some lessons to be learned here. We had uh, written a book called Teaching Your Children Values. And it was a, a really fun book to work on. And it was doing fairly well. It was selling briskly. And then, uh, and we had a publicist. It was a book published by Simon & Schuster. So the New York Publishing or Publicity Office was trying to get uh, bookings for us on talk shows and so on. And 
they'd done pretty well. We'd been on the Donahue show and we'd been on uh, the Today show and we'd been on, I think, uh, Good Morning America. And the book was doing okay. And then one night we were sitting at dinner and the telephone rang and I answered it. We were just finishing up dinner and uh, the voice on the other end said, uh, this is Thalia Kaladimos. I'm a senior producer for the Oprah show and we would like you and Linda to be guests on the show next week. And I said, yeah, right. Who is this really? <laughs> uh, which one of my silly friends is calling and playing a trick on us? And and she said, no, 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 I'm serious. I, I am the senior producer here and Oprah's read your book and she really likes it and she would really like you to come and be on the show. Well, I think we need a little more back story on this because it wasn't just like next week. Remember, they sent out a crew and... Oh, that's right. They said we're going to do some B-roll. In other words, Um, we're going to send people out to take footage of your family. We're going to use it on the show. And I remember your reaction was, the Oprah show, let's see, I've never, I don't think I've ever watched that. (laughs) (laughs) No, I had watched it, I had watched it, but I just thought, oh well, no big deal, you know. Who sits home in the afternoon and watches TV? That was when we had all all our kids home. Actually, Sarah, our oldest, had gone away to college, but she... No, we they had were, two, two kids were on, on their missions. missions. Yeah, we had two they were kids on, on church missions, missions and one in college. So, so we had seven left at home. And uh, we... Uh, actually, it was quite a moment. I remember sitting at that table, and the phone is right by the table, and it was the old days. Now, this tells you how long ago this <laughs> yeah, was. Because we didn't answer on a cell phone. <laughs> the phone was connected to a long uh, spirally cord, and <laughs> there you were. And I just uh, handed the kids, just one of the kids answered and just handed the phone to you, and, and it was so amazing. We, we we just thought, did that really happen? But we want to get to to the meat of the story. We we found we did a little research and found out that more than twenty five million people watched the Oprah Show every day. We thought that they just wanted Linda and I to do a lot of the media we did in those days was just a ten minute segment. We'd just be on a show for. Uh, like the Today Show or something for maybe even five minutes, and well, so well, yeah, and we'd done a lot of that. We we were on kind of a book tour route. We'd we'd gone four or five days and then come back for ten days right. and go on four or five days, and it was really pretty amazing how they came to us. Was that a horrible thing had happened in in world history? I mean, at that time, it was horrifying, and that was that um, these two boys had gone into a, a young boys, I don't know, 12 or 13 year old, had gone into a uh, store and... This was had, in England. This, this was a worldwide story. England, right. And had gone into uh, just a regular store in the mall and, and found a little child and took the child out and killed killed him. Yeah, there was a lot in the new. There was a lot of concern, I think, in the country about values and whether children were were uh, being raised properly and so on and so that I that may have been what had led Oprah to read the book. Well, it definitely was. I, I mean, she, she, was she like, commented on that who, on the who show. Who has something to say about values? What has happened? What yeah. has happened to yeah. our people? This is crazy. But anyway, the funny thing was, we assumed it would be a little segment, so we were a little surprised when when the travel people from the Oprah show called and said. We want you to bring all seven of your children. Or we want you to bring all your children. Well, we had seven at home, right? Or was Josh? No, Josh is on his mission. Oh, three of them were on missions. Yeah, then. They that's were, interesting. They yeah. were all three 
on church missions. So they said, well, bring your other six children. And we thought, well, that's nice of them. They just are going to have the kids sit in the audience and so on. It was live. It was a live show. It wasn't a taped show like it is today. And so it was taped live. Well, they ran it later than the same day. So anyway, we, we thought, well, that's nice. And, and it wasn't until we got to Chicago where the studios were, I think the night before the show that we found out, oh no, we you are on for the whole hour and we want all of the children on the stage with Oprah and they will all be miked. And, we did <laughs> and not, that's when panic set in. Right. We didn't know that until we got there. We yeah, it was the night thought, before. We you were, know, so we had them in some nice, kind of nice clothes to sit in the audience and stand up and, and wave. But no, they did not tell us they were all going to be on... And the horrifying thing was that Charity was about six, and Eli was about nine. Our, so our two, two youngest. youngest. And they had never sat by each other for a whole hour without breaking out into a fight. We were horrified. We spent that whole night before thinking, what are we going to do? What are we going to... How are we going to finesse this when our kids were there to talk about <laughs> teaching children values, this new book of ours, and here's our six kids, and they're going to be fighting on the set <laughs> of the show... On live, how? What are we going to do? And it was just one of those long nights. As I remember, <laughs> you were sleeping and I was awake all night. No, dying. I was. I was. Oh my I was having nightmares. You about were having it. the nightmares. Okay. <laughs> so um, anyway, it was it was really one of those things. There, it was like walking in a dreamland. It was so wild. But let's get to the heart of the yeah, story. The, the reason this is relevant to Hires on the Road is that. Oprah, to her great credit, and this was at the very peak of her of her uh, popularity, and her show was by far the best, biggest watched show on on daytime television. And she got up to start the show, and she basically said, "We need to teach our children values. It's the most important thing we can do. Families matter more than any other institution." And then they went. She went through each of the values. We had twelve values in this book. And she set each one of them up, and we talked with her about all 12 values and how to teach them. It was just really a marvelous experience. And divine intervention is all I can say, Linda. Our kids were absolutely great. They, 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 part of it, I think, is they were a little dazzled by the lights. and the, well, but, but they behaved themselves, and they made great comments, and we were like, saying little thank you prayers during the whole show. Well, we were, and, well, the older kids, obviously, we... We thought they'd be okay. Some of them were a little starstruck, but most of them, I mean, they did they did amazingly well considering the pressure they were under. But you have to remember that she started out with a group of kids sitting on the stairs that we right. didn't know. They gathered from the street, or I don't know where they found From them. the audience, kids from the audience. And, <clears throat> and, and um, she asked them questions. Started out talking about honesty, which is kind of the, the umbrella over everything, and they came up with the wildest things. I mean, things that you would expect kids to say and things you would not expect kids to say. It was really yeah. a fun little moment yeah. there with those and, kids. And the show had it got such high ratings that they ran it again. Oh, and I want to get to that in a minute because that's a secondary story. But one little fun thing to know, Eli, who was, I think he was only eight. I don't know. Maybe he was. He was nine. Was he it nine? Was six and nine. Okay. Or maybe just past Maybe he eight. was nine, but... But at one point, uh, well, you should know that it had only been a couple of weeks since we'd been on the Phil Donahue show, which was the other big daytime talk show that they were competing 
with Oprah for ratings and so on. And when we were on that, um, it wasn't as big a deal as Oprah, but, but Eli's a verbal little guy and he kept raising his hand. Yeah, he we, wanted to say something and Donahue just ignored him. And yeah. Eli happened to be one of them. And, and, you know, Donahue just went on. We were with another couple there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He but didn't it, have time to mess with Eli. But anyway, then on, on the Oprah show, he, she, he was able to say what he wanted to say. And Oprah liked him and called on him and called him by name and so on. And when, when the show was over, and the lights went down. Eli jumped up, ran down to Oprah, threw his arms around her leg, and said, Oh, Oprah, you are so much better than that Phil Donahue. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just the right thing to say. And Oprah said, Well, young man, that's very nice of you to say. <laughs> and she took him on a little tour of the studio. <laughs> she, he became her favorite. <laughs> well, it was really... Uh... A lovely experience, absolutely guided by heaven, because it wasn't our uh, our doing at all. It was just a blessing that dropped on our heads. And it, it allowed us to focus on family and to reach a lot more people than would have ever seen the book, although the book did go to number one on the New York Times bestseller list because of Oprah. And there's one quick follow-up we should tell on that, Linda, because I, as I mentioned, they, they ran the show again a few months later, and we happened to be, at that point, in Las Vegas for our son's um, basketball tournament. And the show was on, and we were going to go up to our room and watch it, but we were down waiting in a breakfast line, and so we thought, well, we've seen it. We don't need to watch it again. And I don't know if you want to tell this maybe. story. It's so bad. <laughs> Well, we were so bored. Our kids were asking us for quarters. We don't quarters. go to Las Vegas very often. And... We were there for this basketball <laughs> tour, and they kept saying, give me a quarter. I want to just try the slot machine. So we'd hand them a couple of quarters just to They're occupy just them while we're in this, yeah. in this line, not realizing that during that same moment that the Oprah show was on, upstairs people were watching in their rooms, and here's the funny part. Three ladies came off the elevator and took a long look at us, and it was like they knew us, they recognized us. And one of them came over and said, wait, how can you be here? We were just watching you on the Oprah show. And you were talking about teaching children values. And <laughs> your children are playing slot machines. <laughs> well, not, not quite that bad, but it just it didn't look good. And uh, they'd never seen a slot machine before. Anyway. Uh, it's one of those crazy oh, things. Let's take a brief break. Yeah. We'll, we'll come back and tell you some more celebrity stories that have family overtones. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back talking about celebrity stories and things that we learned about family relationships and things that um, really are important dealing with celebrities. And we really, um, we really came to respect Oprah for her interest in teaching values and so on, even though she herself has never been a parent. Uh, a different experience came when we went to New York for an interview with Kathy Lee Gifford. And Frank Gifford, that was an interesting thing. Frank Gifford, some of you may recall, was a famous 
NFL football player, and he had married Kathy Lee, and they were a kind of a celebrity couple, and Kathy Lee was on the Today Show and had been Regis and Kathy Lee. And so they wanted to do a show on families and well, on, we actually on parenting. Had, we had done a show with them earlier, and they just really liked what we did. So they asked us to come back and do a whole hour show, remember that? Right, right. And uh, it was just for a promotional thing on, on family, which was, was really terrific. And so, again, we were able to bring the kids with us, and they had set up a beautiful studio, and we, we just sat and talked with Kathy Lee and Frank about families, about parenting, about prioritizing. I remember we talked a lot about, they talked a lot, and involved us in the priority of families and how in busy lives we need to remember that we're, what we're doing it for is our families. It's it's families are the end, and all the other things we do are the means to the end. So it was a really, really neat discussion, and we liked their relationship with each yeah, other. Yeah, even though you know they had had a really t uh, hard time with their relationship in the last ten years or so. Yeah, um, it was pretty amazing. She had two kids that she adored, and of course, this was a second marriage for her. And, uh, and like a third marriage for him. I any think. of you who have watched uh, Kathy Lee know that she's the real deal. She was such a great person to the core. Very, um, I don't know about religious, but very spiritually oriented, very committed to God. And so I guess she's. And say very that. committed to family. And she, you know, it's interesting when you do a lot of, as we were doing in those days, a lot of television and radio interviews you can it's so obvious how how genuine people are or how disingenuous people right. are in some cases and with Kathy Lee and Frank Gifford they they really took an interest in our children they wanted to know about them they wanted to talk to them there was just that good feeling and by now it was Eli's 12th birthday remember that oh yeah and so she ordered a birthday cake for him, and oh, we got to I'd have a little birthday that. celebration, yeah. um, and it was really a delightful experience for us. We, um, the kids, we had two girls who had just returned from missions. They'd just gotten back from Bulgaria and Romania. That's right. Literally, and um, it was really a, a wonderful experience for for them to drop back into the world. And uh, it's it was kind of in, a scary experience for them. But I remember now that you say that that. Uh, the Giffords were interested in those missions, and they had not on air, but, but right, yeah. when we were off air, the girls telling them about what it was like to be a missionary in a in a recently communist country, and so on, and it was great. It really was delightful. That she sent us cards, Christmas cards, for years and years after that. She's really a true, truly um, real person. I mean, she's just really deeply committed to life and to everything in it. And, and I think if you've seen her, heard her express herself, or in her music, she really uh, personifies that. Which kind of leads to maybe the last story we want to tell today. And it's, it's a, a White House story, something that happened to me at the White House and indirectly involved Linda and uh it it's along the same theme Linda it, <laughs> this did not the, involve me no at all. no but this is no but what I'm going to say is that what you were just saying in in public life there are 
like every other part of life, there are good, genuine people, and there are people that you probably want to keep your distance from. And this is back a long time ago. This is when I was a political consultant in Washington, D.C., and Gerald Ford was the president of the United States. And he fits what you're talking about, Linda, a good man, a genuine person, a real person, a family-oriented person. Yeah, whether or not you agree with his politics, he was really a fine person. And so that takes you back a long time, and you'll remember that he was never elected president. He became the president when Richard Nixon resigned. And, but he was, he was going to run for president uh, on his own after he finished Nixon's term. And our company, our little political consult, consulting company, was invited to be involved in that re-election campaign, or at least to make a presentation on how we thought that campaign strategy should roll out and so on. And I remember we had a meeting uh, in the White House on a certain day, and we were going to make our presentation to President Ford and a, uh, a person named Don Rumsfeld, <laughs> who was You his, older people listening will remember who, Donald who, Rumsfeld. He, he was the chief of staff. And I, this, this is just an opportunity to talk about how genuine uh, uh, Gerald Ford was and and his wife, of course, who start, who did a lot of rehab work, a lot of work with, with uh, drug rehabilitation and alcohol addiction and so on. And so we really admired them as a couple. But anyway, here's the, the embarrassing story. I, I got up early that morning and we had a group that we played uh, platform tennis with. It was a kind of a modified tennis game where you played it was similar to pickleball today yeah i was gonna say it's probably like uh, and you used these hard paddles and they had a strap that went around your wrist and so i was thinking about the, our meeting later that morning at the white house and i was out early in the morning playing this game and i i hit a shot and i the racket the the paddle a heavy paddle slipped out of my hand and it was wrapped around the, the <laughs> safety strap on my wrist so it flipped up and knocked out <laughs> One of my front teeth, <laughs> the top tooth, the knocked off half the tooth, broke the, broke the tooth off, and I, I fell out there and I thought, oh my gosh, and I went and got a mirror and looked at it, and I looked like, <laughs> you see how people black out their teeth when they want to look like a person from the Ozarks or something, well, that, that's what I looked like. I have to laugh even thinking. <laughs> About it, he came home and smiled at me. I thought just about died. Laughing. It was like, "Where's your tooth?" And and there were two hours. That was about eight in the morning, and we were in McLean, Virginia, half an hour outside of Washington. And our meeting at the White House was at ten. And I thought, "Can I can I talk like this the whole time and keep my mouth closed and not ever show my teeth?" <laughs> And then we we called, we had a friend, we should even mention him because I'm so grateful to him at this moment. We had a friend that was a dentist, his name was Alan Franks. And I called Alan and I said, I've got a real problem, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, I told him about it, and he said, come on over. And I went over and bless his heart, yeah. in a matter of minutes, he put a cap on that tooth. <laughs> and and I... I looked okay. Guy. You looked okay. It was absolutely phenomenal, but that was a pretty funny moment. <laughs> um, but you're meeting at the White House. Anything, yeah. any follow-up on that? Well, 
Uh, we're, it was disappointing. I mean, the, the fact is that, uh, as often happens in politics, I mean, our strategy, the thing we recommended was, look, uh, we suggest that President Ford basically just be the president. He is. He has a lot to do. He has a lot on his plate. Don't go out and campaign very much because he was not a particularly adept campaigner. And just be presidential. And, you know, uh, bottom line is that uh, the, the, the staff around him didn't like that proposal very much because it took them out of the limelight it took sure. away their, their job ability away. to yeah. shine and so they went with a different proposal and and uh ford lost and so what <laughs> does jimmy that have carter to do with... which is interesting because oh, carter yeah. i think um, and and it's interesting now we've just had joe biden's uh, inauguration and jimmy carter would have liked to have been there i think he's nine is in his mid 90s, 90s. Yeah. But what an interesting, some people say Jimmy Carter, this kind of ties into our theme, Linda, of how some public figures are are great in their soul, in their interior. And I put Jimmy Carter in that category, too. Some people Absolutely. say he was not a great president, but he's a fantastic ex-president. And human being. And human being. He's really a wonderful person. Still yeah. taught Sunday school in <laughs> Plains, Georgia, right up until, you know, he was too old to, to teach anymore. Maybe and he's still teaching. We're not in touch with him. Maybe. <laughs> you and, never but know. he and Rosalind, what a couple, you know, what an outstanding example of a committed couple that I think have been married now for nearly 70 years. Yeah. It's really interesting with all the politics that have been flying around us lately. And thank goodness we're feeling a little calm just at this moment because the elections just happened. But it really is amazing that, um, you know, some of them are, you can kind of see through into people's soul in yeah. some cases. And some people interpret that differently. I don't want this to be political at all. But it is hard to be um, a really uh person soulful person in the limelight yeah. whether you're a celebrity or whatever it's difficult to really let your personality shine because you're so surrounded with so much other stuff well and it gets into how how do you measure your life you know our our good friend clayton christensen who some listeners are aware of wrote a book with that title how do you measure your life and um we we live in a funny world, don't we, where many times people's worth is measured by their celebrity or by their wealth or by their notoriety or whatever. And we, we, we make celebrities of some people who really don't have anything going for them other than that they are a celebrity. And there's an artificiality and a, and a fakeness about it. But there are also, as we've tried to suggest today, some people who, and certainly we've only mentioned a couple where we've had personal experiences, but there are many, and, and those who set a good example would probably answer the question, how do you measure your life? They would probably say, not by how many headlines I've gotten or how many people know my name or how, how uh, wealthy I am or how many people I can influence I measure my life by my family. I measure my life by 
my children and by their or, love for me and my love for them. Or how much good I can do for other people. Yeah. There are so many people who I adore who, you know, they're not celebrities in any way. There's one dear friend that wakes up every morning thinking not only what do my children need, but what can I do for somebody that I know that is hurting or ailing or needy? Yeah. She really works on it. She concentrates on it. And I think that is what how you measure your life, whether or not you're doing good in the world. Sometimes for yourself, but um, most times for other people and for the things that they need. We were thinking about that. on a. We do a, a weekly call with our children, a Zoom call, and we were talking about that. I wish we dug out that quote, Linda. A couple of them came up with things, beautiful quotes that essentially were saying, it's not how many people know you, it's how much good you've done in your life and how the real world is measured by... Um, people's ability to um, to give and quiet lives lived in right. quietness right. but with strong character so we hope that gives you something to think about and we do appreciate you listening in when you do and we will be back next week with Hires on the Road we're going to tell you some more stories next week please join us and thanks for listening on Hires on the Road bye bye <laughs>